Hey friends, welcome to the podcast. It's listener question time again. So let's get into the episode. So as a reminder, you can send me a question if you want me to answer it on the podcast. And you can send it to Instagram at Vertical Playpen. That's where you'll find me. Follow if you're not, please do. And you can send me a message. Just put in front of a podcast question and then submit your question. And then I will bring it up in a future episode of the podcast. You can also email podcast at highfiveadventure.org. That's H-I-G-H, the number five, adventure.org, if you would like to submit one via email and you are not on Instagram. So this question is, how do you encourage participation from some of your participants who are disengaged and do not want to participate? So this is a really good question and one that I am still consistently working on and I think most people listening would also agree. So the first thing is this, and this may seem uh, laziest, the laziest of the options or possibly like emotionless, but bear with me on this one, is the first thing that I do is absolutely nothing. So ultimately my strategy for engaging participants who are not engaged is to not address their disengagement. Now, if I look back at previous years, uh, maybe my earlier years facilitating, I would have judged the overall success of the program by how engaged everyone was. And sometimes I would pinpoint those who looked disengaged and see them as a bit of a challenge to see if I could win them over. And if I won them over, then I would see the program as being successful. And if I didn't win them over, I would deem the program unsuccessful. Now, what that does, though, is it negates everybody else's experience. So let's say you've got a group of 12 and there's one person who doesn't want to participate. What about those other 11 if I'm focusing all of my attention on trying to get that one person to feel like they're engaged? It also kind of breeds the idea that being disconnected or not a part of the team is rewarded by the attention that I then give them. I certainly did that at the start. I would do my utmost to go over to them and speak to them and say, what can I do to help? Like, And I would do those things, but I would put so much energy into that one area that I was sort of negating the rest of it. Now, I want them to be engaged. I want everyone to feel like they can, they want to be there, but not at the cost of other people not getting some attention equally as well. So for the most part, I do nothing. Nothing in terms of the specifics about what they're doing. But I'm going to detail now some things that I do in the nothingness that is still going to engage and help people bring people in and so that I can kind of beat that ahead of time. It's often like the mindset of when someone says that they've had someone on the zip platform for an hour and they'll say, yeah, I managed to talk someone down after an hour. My response is, what on earth were they doing there? Sometimes the work comes unintentionally or, or intentionally in the lead up and the framing and the front loading and the rest of the day, rather than having to play the reactive mode of, okay, this person isn't engaged or this person's up here and they're scared. I'm attempting to be proactive in my nothingness. So let me detail more about what I mean. The first is that 
I will attempt, and I don't always succeed at this, but to attempt to create an engaging agenda that people just want to be a part of. It's that FOMO mentality, fear of missing out, by doing things that are intentionally engaging. And I will also role model that engagement by participating. I think one of the mistakes that I see facilitators make is they don't want to actually participate. They set up an activity and then stand off to the side. Well, if you're doing that, what kind of message are you putting out to the group that that activity is you're too good for that activity or that activity is too goofy for you to participate? There might be reasons why you step away. And sometimes I do if it's about taking notes and timing and all of those kind of things. But for the most part, I do activities that I, one, find engaging, but also I engage in. And especially those ones that would be quote unquote possibly goofy. Now, if you don't have the personality to do those, you shouldn't really lead them anyway. You don't need to frame activities the way you want to frame them. But if you are going to do some things that are a little silly, go in with that, like lean into that a little bit. It doesn't mean lean into the point where you make it too over the top, but lean in in a way that makes it look like you're enjoying it. Fun is a contagious experience. So you exuding that joy and excitement for the next thing you're about to do can encourage people to join in as well. And sometimes you're going to get participants who just don't want to engage, but lean in on doing activities that will slowly make them want to feel like they want to participate. Here is an example of an activity that I think really nicely um, allows people to choose how much of how much participation they engage in and encourages by the end of it a little bit more. So this activity is called Let's Make a Deal. Well, at least that's what I call it. And there may be other names that you've heard for the same activity when I explain it, but I call it Let's Make a Deal. The idea is that you give every single participant a spot marker or a location, some marking point. So it's not just a location in a circle. You do want to mark it out. So uh, using a spot marker or a piece of paper or a piece of card that they can leave on the ground that isn't going to blow away in the wind if you're outside. But So spot markers work well. I'm going to throw into the description of this episode a link to the spot markers that we sell on our website, partly because I think they're pretty awesome. They're lightweight. There's lots of them and they're big and they're in lots of different colors. They're the primary colors. Primary plus green and orange. <laughs> so not primary colors, but anyway, you'll see them. Colors. So everyone gets a spot marker and you as the facilitator do not have one and you stand in the middle of the circle. Now, the way this activity works is any point when we say go, two people will agree and look at each other and nod or give any other signal to say they agree and they've made a deal to swap positions. Once they've made a deal, they have to commit to that deal. So they have to commit to swapping places. And if they see me moving, they can't retreat back to their original spot, but they're going to try to run and swap places. As soon as someone leaves a spot marker, me who's in the middle can then choose to take that spot. And then I can claim that spot. Whoever's left over is now stuck in the middle and they're waiting. Now, everyone else is making deals throughout this. So you can get a lot of activity. Now, the choice perspective on this and where it leads into um, engaging participation is that there's no obligation to move at all. It's up to you if you want to make that deal. You can make a deal that's across the circle far away. You can make a deal that's right next to you, to the person to your left or your right. And that's obviously an easier swap. Now, what happens, what I tend to see is those people who don't want to engage aren't going to engage at the start. But once they start to see the activity and they start to play it and they see the joy of others, then they slowly want to play as well. 
Now, in this first round of this or the start of this activity, I only say that you're allowed to swap if you've made a deal. Later on, I introduced the idea that if any spot is open, anyone can move their position to take that spot. So it creates a little bit of open. The deals still occur, so you can't just leave your spot if there's nowhere to go. But if someone, let's say Chris and Lisa swapped positions, I can then take Lisa or Chris's spot because there's an open spot for me to take. So it allows everyone to play. The one other layer I'll add in this one is what I tend to do as a facilitator is if I see the same person is stuck in the middle, at some point I'll just shout deal. And if I shout deal, then everyone has to move to a new spot. So everyone has to change. And that normally ends up changing the person who ends up in the middle. And I will do this until I see that the person who got stuck in the middle is no longer stuck there. But this is a, a great activity that as an example of how you can engage someone who is less engaged they're still a part of standing in the circle. You'll still in, you'll still say, hey, you don't have to play, but I do need you to be a part of it because they also create kind of a boundary space. And then slowly pay attention to that person. You may see them start to engage in the activity. Don't address it, but notice it if they start to engage. So the next tip is create a flow in your agenda. I consider like a flow in terms of energy, in terms of the activity having energy. Is it a physical activity? Is it a more mental activity? Is it more individualized? Is it in pairs? Is it involving the whole group at the same time? There's lots of examples that I've sort of given there, but try to create an ever-changing flow where you mix all of these different elements together. So it's not the same, same, same. So if you did problem-solving activity that involved a whole group that was longer in terms of how long it took, and then you did another one straight after, that's obviously going to affect the overall participation of the someone who wasn't engaged in that first one. So you're constantly kind of mixing up that flow, and that will also encourage more participation. And the last one in terms of engaging someone who is maybe not participating is if you are going on to the ropes course, the challenge course component of your program, involve them in certain things that will allow you to use them as quote-unquote an assistant. So it could be teaching them how to tie a knot. That could be helping you belay, teaching them how to belay. What I've noticed is that if you give people responsibility and actual responsibility, not just busy job, I'm not talking about like just um, holding the backup coil and making it feel like they're not engaged, but actually give them a job that has some substance to it, like tying the knot or even to the extent of teaching them how to belay. I have found that that has increased the level of participation. When I train people how to belay, I have found that there's often half of the group who really loves the climbing part of the training and the other half that really just enjoys the belaying part. And that's okay as well. And people sometimes get more excited about the empowerment that belaying gives them than the actual climbing aspect of the training. I'm one of those, to be honest. I do like climbing. I do like being at height and I like the physical component, but I enjoy belaying someone and seeing someone achieve someone and coming down and high-fiving them at the end. That gives me a lot. So if that gives you a lot as a facilitator, guess what? It probably will give someone who's maybe not feeling as engaged a feeling of empowerment and purpose that maybe they want to engage. We do have to create buy-in in the industry. A lot of our activities have a sort of eye-rollish nature to them. And what I mean by that is sometimes they can look too goofy and too silly and certain people don't want to be doing that. 
I remember when I first came to the States and um, engaged in like campfires and skits and stuff. That wasn't me when I first started. And I had to learn that and I had to get more comfortable at relaxing and letting down that wall. But some people aren't going to do that. I see adventure not only as the physical risk component, but the emotional and the social risk. And there is a lot of embarrassment that comes into being more goofy or a lot of perception of embarrassment. So people may not be engaging, not because they don't want to participate and play and not because they don't want to have the fun of the game, but because they don't want to make themselves look less than by participating. So I think that's another reason why I encourage the role modeling of you as the adult participating. And if you're working with school groups that are coming in, highly encourage the teachers to participate too. Because if they themselves can also role model that, they're more likely to get those participants to step in. And the same goes for if you're working with school groups and you're working with a population that might require a paraprofessional. And maybe they have some learning differences. And so sometimes it's about meeting them where they're at, but encouraging those paraprofessionals, their one-to-one aides, to also join in with the activities. Because the more that it's seen that this is the, this is the fun place to be, then the more likely they're going to want to engage. Last thing I'm going to mention on this is that still to this day, I will have participants who don't want to engage and I will do all the things I've listed and it still won't pay off. And that's okay. This isn't about you as much as it can feel that way. When you see people not engage, you think, oh, have I let the group down? Have I not done something right? Sometimes people don't want to engage in the work that we present and that's, and that's okay. We are facilitators. We are guides on the side and we are not in the role of dictating what needs to happen for everyone. Every single group that we work with is going to be different. Every single experience that we facilitate is going to be different. We can do our best in our agenda to try to encourage participation and to have outcomes, but those outcomes are entirely up to the group and the environment and the situations that we run into, and we just have to be fluid and flexible to be able to cope with whatever situation presents itself. So it's not on you if people don't participate and it still will probably happen. But if you follow some of the guidelines I've listed in this episode, you should improve the level of participation in your programs. Thank you for that question. Another awesome question. Once again, if you want to submit one, you can do so. Two different ways to do it. Go to Vertical Playpen on Instagram, send me a message, put podcast question, and then whatever the question is, or email podcast at highfiveadventure.org. Thank you so much for listening. Rate, review, subscribe, all of those things. Tell other people about the podcast who you might interact with, and I'll see you on the next one. Thanks for listening to Vertical Playpen. And then what about thanks for listening to High Fives podcast? Can you do it? Okay, try Thanks for giving us a good the guy. <laughs> Vertical Playpen is a High Five Adventure production. Hosted by me, Phil. Produced by me, Phil. Executive produced by me, Phil. Supervising producer, me, Phil. Associate talent producer, me, Phil. Associate producers, me, Phil. And me, Phil. Engineered by guess what you guessed it here's the joke me phil anyway thanks for listening just thought that would be funny to add into the credits no one listens to this part anyway i don't think all right thanks all rate review do all the things and thank you for your support